Well, I tell you, when you fix your eyes on eternal things and not on the temporary, you see life different. You view life different. This morning, we're in Luke chapter 9 in your Bibles. Luke 9. Can you put that up there, Daniel? Luke 9. I forgot to tell you, but if you can't, you can just turn to it. I'm going to read it first, and you will go back and comment. Luke chapter 9. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have uh, two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there and, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the, through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 7 said, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said that some that John had risen from the dead. And by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Verse 10 said, and the apostle went, and the apostle, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to a city that called Bethesda. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. Verse 12 says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitudes away that they might go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and and get provisions. For we are in a desert place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in a group of 50s. And they did so and made them sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples. It's to set before the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Verse 18 says, and it happened as he went along praying that his disciples joined him and asked him, saying, who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, for some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you're the Christ of God. And uh, the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Verse 23 said, Then he said, 
to them all, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what it profits a man if he gains the world and he loses his soul? What if he gains the world and himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him or the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his father's and his angel and his holy angels. And verse 27 said, I truly tell you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they shall see the kingdom of God. Now it came to pass about eight days after these, after these sayings that he took Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. And his face was altered, his appearance was altered, and his robe became white and glistering. And, his, and behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said, said Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one of those, of those days any of the things they had seen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray, God, you would open our ears and eyes to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. He calls it 12, verses 1 through 6. Jesus always calling people. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but you just ask him. But he calls these 12, you know, before his ascension, to carry out his ministry after he left. Jesus was going to go down the cross, but he needed someone to continue his ministry. Guess who that is now? You and me, right? Then he called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over demons, verse 1, and to cure all kinds of diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. The 12 disciples heard Jesus preach and watched him cast out demons. So he commissioned these men to duplicate what he had done. So he equipped them with both the power to do the supernatural, and the authority to do his will. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. How would you like that? Did God send you out someplace and say, hey, man, don't take nothing. Just go. You, got, you know, look what he tell them in verse 3. He sent them out and said, take nothing, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. Basically, they had to depend upon God to, to, to provide for their needs. You know, they didn't have no cell phone, no internet, no nothing, no money, no bag. No. He didn't say, you just go and trust me and I'll provide for your needs. They had to travel light with only the clothes on their back. 
so they could move. They had to move quickly. Go out, guys. Just go. I'll meet your needs. Just trust me. Verse 4, so whatever house you enter, stay there and from, from there depart. Don't be going from house to house, what he's telling them. The idea is stay, stay focused on preaching the gospel. Stay focused on what I sent you to do. Not socializing or seeking. Don't be seeking better lodging. Don't be seeking better lodging. You know, if the food's better someplace else across town, you want to go over there. No. He said, stay in one place. You know, in Eastern homes, they had a great uh, gift of hospitality. And people wanted you to just stay in one place. But Jesus says, no, you, you got a mission. You're on a mission. And you're going to have to not move from house to house, but you got to stay focused on what I told you to do. Verse 5 said, and, whatever, and whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony. That dust is going to be a testimony against them when they stand before God. It's a very serious thing to refuse the gospel. It's serious. Because you inviting the wrath of God and you inviting judgment upon yourself. God does not send anybody to hell. People go to hell because they haven't, they haven't received the provision that God has made for them to have forgiveness of their sins because he's given them a way of escape. But if people don't say, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and a lot of people do that, hey, that's on them. But it's very serious. He said, when you go out, man, if they don't want to receive you, they'll shake the dust off your feet. Because there's a lot of people that will hear. Shaking the dust off your feet, you know, was a cultural thing. You know, the pious Jews back in those days, when they went into a Gentile city, before they would come back into Jerusalem, or before they would come back into their town, back in their town, they would shake the dust off of their feet because they didn't even want to bring the dust of a Gentile back into their city. That's why that's, they hated Gentiles that bad. They didn't want to bring the dust of a, a Gentile back in their city, so they would shake the dust off their feet before they returned to their city. The disciples, and you might want to mark this, the disciples were not responsible how people responded to the message. And neither are you. All you have to do is deliver the message. We are not responsible. If we have carefully and truthfully presented Christ in the gospel message, and if that message is rejected, that's not on you at all. Because God gave people free will to choose. We must move on to other people who might want to hear. Well, verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns preaching what? The gospel and healing everywhere. When they went through towns, they didn't preach their denomination. They didn't preach their church. They didn't preach their pastor. They didn't preach themselves. It says here when they departed, they preached what? The gospel everywhere. Why the gospel? Because the gospel brings hope. And the gospel brings forgiveness. That's why the Bible said, repent and believe the gospel that your sins may be blotted out. 
The gospel means the good news, man. That's good news. And there are some people who will believe it, and there's other people that will not believe it. You just, if they don't want to go, shake the dust off your feet, man, and go to somebody who want to listen. Because some people say, I don't want to hear that. Okay. We're not going to force it on you. You don't want to hear it. There's a lot of people out there that do. Especially right now. Right now is a time for we got to shine. We got to be courageous and bold with this gospel. Because people right now are looking for answers. And you guess what? We got the answers. Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's the only answer. So we point people to him. So. Matthew puts that a different way. I like Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 11. Matthew chapter 10, about shaking the dust off your feet and people reject you and all this. Matthew 10, 5 through 11. You might want to turn to that. Matthew 10, 5 through 11. Then the, the, the 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not, any, do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor, co nor copper in your money belts, nor bag nor for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in this is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. Verse 13 says, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Worthy means if they have received your message, that makes them worthy. But if they have not received your message, it makes them unworthy. And whoever will not receive you, now hear your words. When you depart from that house, a city, shake off the dust from your feet. Uh, surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for that city. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. It says it's going to be more tolerable when you reject Gospel, when you reject the gospel, you have rejected Christ. You have rejected heaven. You have rejected, you have rejected all the promises. Verse 7, Luke, Luke 9, 7. Now Herod, Antipas, the Tesseract, or the ruler, head of all that was done by him, he, he heard what was done by him and was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead. See, Herod had a guilty conscience because Herod knew he had killed John the Baptist because John the Baptist told him the truth and Herod had him beheld, beheaded and now Herod is feeling he's, he's carrying a guilty conscience, man. He says, some say John the Baptist has risen from the dead. Verse 8 says, some say Elijah has appeared and others that one of the Old Testament prophets had risen. 
Herbert said, John, I have beheaded. But who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Herod says, man, I know I killed John. I know John is dead, man, but who is this guy? Who is this guy? So he sought to see him. It's terrible to have a guilty conscience. You know what I mean? Terrible. You know, we ought to cleanse our conscience with the word of God, man. Don't, you know, you walk around with guilt. You walk around with shame. God doesn't want that. Herod had no reason to treat John the Baptist the way he did. So it followed Herod to all of his life. It followed him the rest of his life. I hope you don't feel guilty today because Christ can remove that guilt. He can remove that guilt. I got my good friend Jeff over here from CareNet. He's going to say a few words on that. Uh, over the ministry, over the years, there's so many girls I've talked to who have had abortions, and, and man, they just say they just feel so guilty, so guilty. Some are even suicidal. And I pray with them, and I says, God can forgive that. God doesn't want you to carry that guilt. Well, I killed my baby. I know, and God knows. And God is full of forgiveness and compassion, and love, and he can remove that guilt from you. Don't carry that guilt. Amen. Take it to Christ, and he can remove it. Anyway, I try to take it, that guilt away from it. Moving right along here. Verse 10, Jesus feed the 5,000. Jesus could have fed, fed 5 million, but, you know, he was only 5,000 here. And the disciples, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside private, private into a desert place belonging to the city of Bethesda. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. <clears throat> Don't you like to have somebody just follow you everywhere you go, man? Just follow you. Every time you turn around, there's a whole big crowd just following you. Thousands of them just following you. So you got to go in a private place. You got to get in a boat and go out into the river someplace by yourself because you had no privacy. No privacy. So they followed him. He received them, though. He, he took time to talk to them. He received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provision. For we are in a desert place here. Well, God knew they were in a desert place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Maybe they could have prayed and the food could have came down from heaven, you know. Maybe they could have done it. They had seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons and given them all authority. Maybe they could have done it. But he said, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. But there were about 5,000 men that he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. There was 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it's, it's believed that it was 20,000 people there that he fed. He made them sit down. So verse 15 says, and they did so. He made them sit down in 50. So they did so and made them sit down. See, God is a God of order. He made them sit down in 50 
it made the food more convenient to, to, uh, to distribute when they were in order. Otherwise, it would have been a stampede. These people are hungry, 20,000 people, and you're going to pull out some bread? They would have trampled you. <laughs> they would have charged toward you and probably killed you and trampled you to death. Jesus said, no, hold, wait. Have them all sit down in 50s. I don't want no stampede here. But he's a God of order. God is a God of order. I don't care what service you go to. If it's not in, if it's not in order, it's not of God. He said, make them sit down in 50. Then he took the five loaves and two fish and he looked up into heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to his disciples. To sit before the multitudes. So Jesus really didn't feed anybody. He gave to his disciples and his disciples fed the people. He didn't want people to say, well, you know, I was fed by Jesus himself, man. What about you? You know, he know know us. He know how we are. Well, I was fed by Jesus himself, and you wasn't. No, he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the people because he knows the human heart, how we can get proudful, like we better than anybody else. So he says, verse 17, they all ate and were filled, and the 12 baskets was left over fragments, took up by them, nothing wasted. 12, 12 apostles, 12 baskets. Each one had a basket. Verse 18, and it happened as he was alone praying. Alone praying. You ever get alone and pray? Woo. Boy, that, that's, that is where the power is. You see, I can't wait till Sunday morning to come out here and say, man, what, what am I going to say? I got to pray every day, especially now. <laughs> look, look, at, look around you. I feel sorry. As, Char- as Charles Spurgeon said, I feel sorry for the people that don't pray. I feel sorry for them. That's exactly what Satan wants. Hmm. Jesus went alone to pray for a model for us. That his disciples joined him, and he asked him, saying, Well, who do the crowds say that I am? Verse 18. Verse 19, they said, and they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen. But he said to them, verse 20, but who do you say that I am? Peter, the spokesman here, Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Hmm. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell no one. His time had not yet come to be revealed for the, for the Messiah. So he said, don't tell nobody. He was on a perfect time and a perfect schedule. This is probably the most important question that you can ask anybody. But who do you say he is? Some people today say he's a good man. That's all he is. Some people today say he's just a prophet. Some people say he's an angel. But the question is, who do you say that he is? The answer to this question is a matter of life or death. I don't care what other people say he is. I'm asking you, who do you say he is? 
this question everyone has to answer. The answer everyone gives to this question will determine, it will determine his or her eternal destiny. How you answer that one question. Who do you say he is? I hope you said the same thing as Peter said. The Christ. The Christ. Of, that's who he is. Well, why when you mention Christ's name, people get upset. People say, oh, God, this, I believe in God, I believe in God. But when you mention Jesus' name, people want to fight. No, you got to have both of them. You can't have one without the other. That's right. I mean, yes, I, I'm sorry about that, but uh, don't be talking about, oh, I believe in a higher power. Uh-uh. God is high, higher than any power that you could ever believe. Everybody's got their opinion who he is even today. But you got to sell in your heart. Who do you say he is? And if you say he's the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, boy, you right on target. You right on target. Well, verse 22 says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised from the dead and be raised the third day. He's trying to prepare them. Hey, guys, I came to die. I came to go to the cross. That's why I came. That's why I came. A suffering Messiah, they, 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 didn't, they didn't expect a suffering Messiah. They expected the Messiah to come and, and rule and conquer a political Messiah. But even though Jesus was a Messiah, he still had to suffer, be rejected and killed. And he would be raised on the third day for us. And when the disciples saw all this happen to Jesus, they, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about until after he had been risen from the dead. Well, verse 23 said, Then they said, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Hmm. That's a big, that's asking a lot right there. Deny myself? Take up my cross and follow him daily. Take up your cross daily and follow him. The question is, who are you following? He said, if anyone comes up to him, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow who? Follow me. Because see, people are following everybody. Some new doctrine come out, they run over there. Some new doctrine, they run over here and people going back. No, you follow Christ. You're right on target if you follow him. Deny yourself. Jesus requires self-denial. Jesus requires complete dedication and willing obedience. To deny personal, to deny personal control of one's life and give that control to Christ. I mean, I still want control, don't you? Sometimes I still want control. I'm thinking, that ain't what the Bible teaches. The Bible says I'm supposed to deny myself, get myself out the way, take up my cross, and follow him. And the cross means suffering. You will suffer from Christ sometimes as being a Christian. Don't let people tell you, don't let people tell you that being a Christian is easy. 
because being a Christian is not. Because we are going against the grain. We are going against the world standards. Our standards are higher and our standards are different. So don't be surprised if people reject you sometime because they rejected him. Don't take it, don't take it personally. You just keep right on moving. Let him deny himself. Give him control and surrender your life to his. Those who desire to follow Jesus must forsake and deny their own agenda in order to complete his agenda. Disciples from Galilee knew what the cross meant. When he said a cross, it meant suffering and possibly death. He said, take up your cross and follow me. When a person was going to be crucified back in those days, they had to carry their own cross to the crucifixion. Although Jesus offered salvation as a free gift, he also warned that following him entails hardship and sometimes it entails suffering and many times it's not easy. You know it's gonna, you're going to win in the end. You know you're going to go to heaven, but you're still in this world. In this world, Jesus said you're still going to have tribulation. I, I wish I could tell you, you you wouldn't have tribulation or you won't have tribulation. I wish I could say that once you become a Christian man, everything is just going to be peachy, peachy. That's not true at all. Some people teach that. Some people say when you become a Christian, man, everything is going to be just right. No problem. So the person runs into a problem right away. They get discouraged because someone has told them that it's going to be easier and it's not. Amen. For to this you recall because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Christ suffered, we're going to suffer. For whosoever, did, verse 24, so whosoever did, desire to save his life will lose it. But whosoever lose his life for my sake will find it. And the more you let go of yourself, the happier you will be. The more you give yourself away, the richer you will be. Because he said, verse 25, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed? If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, if you gain the whole world and die and go to hell, what have you gained? Because all the stuff that you have, you can't take it with you. It makes no it makes no sense to attempt to save our lives on this earth only to lose everything when our lives pass away. The last thing I'll say is this. Invest our earthly resources Invest our earthly resources, our time, our talent, our wealth for eternal things, for eternity. If we lose our life for Jesus' sake, that investment 
that you invest here is going to produce returns throughout eternity. It will keep multiplying, keep multiplying throughout eternity. Discipleship means denying and devotion. Jesus told that those who follow him must deny their own life and desires and pursue him instead. Deny your own desires and your own life. It don't mean that he wants you miserable, but what he's saying is that he wants, he wants to be in control. He wants to be first. True discipleship means total devotion to Christ and not to the world. For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory. And in his Father and of his holy angels, when he comes second time, if a person is ashamed of him now, he'll be ashamed of them later. A person who is more concerned about what people think. Who cares what people think, man? Don't be a closet Christian. Don't be a secret Christian. Don't let people, uh, let people know that you are a Christian. We have a choice. Those who are willing to confess him now will be rewarded in heaven before the Father, before the angels. Don't be a closet Christian. Don't be a secret saint. A secret saint. You know what a secret saint is? You know, he don't want nobody to know that. He just, shh. That's a secret saying. Don't be ashamed to let people know where you stand. They might not agree with you, but they will respect you. They might not agree with it. They might not like it, but they will respect that you stood up for what you believe. Don't be ashamed to let people know you're a Christian. Are you ashamed to let people know that you're a Christian? I hope not. So with that, we're going to close, but go out and shine some light in this dark world. You see how dark it's getting? Hey, God has placed his people everywhere, all over the world, to shine his light and to shine his love and to let people know there is hope on the way. Oh, boy, if you, you got hope, you can look past this life right into the next life. But if your focus is right here on this earth, you will be defeated. Now, you got to live here. But we are be, to be in the world, but of the world. And if you're watching today, Facebook, YouTube, and you have not put your faith in Christ, Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. No, there's not two ways to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So any other way you're trying to get to heaven, you're not going to make it except you do it God's way. Because his way is the only way it's going to work. The Bible says, Acts 4 and 12, that neither is our salvation in any other. Because there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Nobody else can do it. So he told you how to do it. And if you haven't done it today, Jesus said, invite 
Christ to come into your life today. Jesus said today is a day of salvation. Today is a day, not tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is a day of salvation. Satan wants people to put it off and put it off and put it off. And so many people, they do. And so many people don't make it because they assumed that they would have another day. They would assume that they would have more time. And boom, car accident or something killed. That's why he said, once you hear his words, harden not your heart. And if you're watching today, if you have not received Christ, today is your day. All you have to do is admit that you are a sinner and ask Christ to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins. You accept him as your savior. You invite him to come in and change your life. You repent of your sins and he will forgive you. Everybody's got to face him either as your savior or as your judge. But you're going to face him. I hope that you will not put it off because this is a matter of life or death. This is serious. No one expects death. But so many now are just people I know personally passing away. Boom, boom, just like that. People I know passing away just like that. So I'm thinking, boy, I better make sure that my walk is tight. My walk is tight, man, with Christ. If something happens, hey, I know where I'll be. That's, a, that's assuring right there. That's why I'm not afraid. That's why I don't let people scare me, because I know where I'm going. I know who I, I, know who I have believed. I know that. So I, all the fear that's out there now, it don't even bother me. And I hope you're not afraid. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can come. And we ask God that you would help us to continue to stay the path. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.